Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, I want to share with you a, a quick story to get us going. Now, you know how I always like to touch on issues that, in my opinion, are issues that are not only of great local importance, but also reflect national concerns and national trends. And along those lines, you might occasionally wonder who, if anyone, besides the the usual hardcore WFAN listeners, are actually tuning in on early on Sunday mornings to the Sports Edge. And, And to that point, I received an email last week from a gentleman I don't know named Nate Brown, who apparently hosts a very popular sports radio talk show in Rapid City, South Dakota. Now, it turns out that Nate listens to the Sports Edge on a regular basis, and the issue of -of out-of-control parents at kids' games and the, the impact they're having on game officials as well as coaches, well, it's a real concern in his part of the country as well, out in South Dakota. In any event... Nate was reaching out to have me come on his show for a few minutes to talk about these pressing topics. And he, he clearly knew his stuff. He had done his homework, including asking questions on the air about uh, Coach uh, Chris de Blasio, who had walked away from his high school head coaching job at Saddlebrook High School when a couple of sports dads had, had crossed the line with de Blasio. My point is that simply that the concerns we discuss on this show really do reflect the the national trends from all over the country. And that, of course, is what we're really trying to do, to draw attention and to get sports fans and sports parents everywhere to focus on how to properly steer our kids through the increasingly difficult maze and and choppy waters of youth and amateur sports. Uh, For example, uh, Nate asked me on a show about the impact of NIL on recruiting high school kids. He said, we all know that talented high school recruits are now directly asking college coaches, well, okay, coach, uh, I know you're going to offer me a scholarship to play at your college, but tell me, how much NIL money are you going to guarantee me as well? And I have to tell you, that kind of conversation is happening routinely all over the country. In fact, we're at the point now where the NCAA is really trying to find a way to corral all of this. But in my opinion, such a move seems, uh, well, it's a little too little too late. The NCAA is fast becoming less impactful with college athletes. And 
those uh, D1 programs with a lot of money, well, they're going to win those recruiting wars. And as, for, as far as the high school recruits are concerned, well, who can blame them for asking for guaranteed NIL money when they apply uh, to a various college program? Anyhow, I want to return to the topic of sports parents also quickly about attacking referees. Well, it happened again last week. This time, the incident occurred at a U-14 soccer match in a suburb of Montreal, Canada. Now, there's video online of an out-of-control sports parent, and in this case, it was a sports grandparent, coming out of the stands and confronting a 17-year-old referee. This, this grandfather apparently lost his mind, and he gets, gets into the teenager's face. They square off. Well, the kid pushes the, the, this guy away, but the, the man immediately responds by punching the kid. It's just like a hockey brawl. And before other spectators come over to finally break up the melee. Now, the grandfather issued an apology to the, uh, the league, the soccer league. It's uh, Soccer Quebec. And in his, uh, in his uh, mea culpa, he took full responsibility for his abhorrent actions. Says that as a former teacher... He was deeply embarrassed, you know, by what he did and that he's actually getting help for his out-of-control behavior. Okay, I'm glad he did that. Now, let's see if the Montreal police do anything or if the soccer league has any follow-up. Because, you know, as we've discussed, the first step is to take responsibility. But the second step is to really face the consequences of one's actions. I still think that quicker, stiffer punishments would go a long way in adding a real deterrent to out-of-control parents at their kids' games. The problem is, if these punishments aren't handed down right away after the incident, well, the problem is that these, these things just seem to fade away and they are quickly forgotten until it happens again. And I think that's, that's the essence of how we're going to stop and corral and, and control these out-of-control parents at their kids' games. I mean, it just, it just happens so routinely, it's become unfortunately almost, I don't want to say expected, but it certainly has become somewhat part of the overall societal culture, that they're going to be you know, crazy sports parents who obviously uh, either attack referees or verbally abuse them or even get in the way of coaches. And we've seen this over and over again. The question is, how do we stop it? And I know we've discussed there are a number of states that have laws in effect, that are there to protect referees. But it still happens. It has to come to an end, and we're just not doing enough. And I understand we're talking about a small percentage of the spectators who come to our kids' games, but again, we have to find a way to just stop this in its tracks. And so far, it's just not happening. Okay, moving on. I want to talk this morning about the increasingly complicated issue of specialization. Specializing in just one sport, and what should sport parents do? I mean, did you happen to see the article in the New York Times last week about what's happening in the world of tennis? And how top agents are now enticing parents to enroll their very young tennis players to focus just on that sport? I mean, it was an absolutely shocking to me to read that big talent agencies like, like IMG are now actively looking for promising young tennis phenoms. Not just kids as young as, as 12, 13, or 14, but kids as young as 10 or 11. Not just here in the States, but around the world. In effect, 
These are kids who are trying to turn pro while they're still in elementary school. Then, in total contrast, I was reading this past week a, a new book uh, called uh, Quarterback Dads, uh, Wild, Tiles, uh, Wild Tales excuse me, from the Field, which is basically a collection of interviews with some former top NFL quarterbacks who now have sons who have show promise as being a quarterback as well. It's an interesting book. What's the main takeaway? Well, that it's fine to go out and hire a private coach for your young rising quarterback, but above all, always make sure that your son doesn't specialize in just playing only football. I mean, that is chapter after chapter in this book, focus on these QBs who are sports parents, and just about every one of them says it's a mistake to have your kids specialize in only playing football. Best case in point, Tom Brady, who, of course, loved playing baseball right through high school as well as football, was even drafted as a catcher out out of high school. Okay, so we have taken apart and dissected the issue of specializing, specializing in one sport for years. But let me just share with you this one basic issue. If your son or daughter, at a very young age, like under the age of 9 or 10, shows a remarkable talent for one sport, why shouldn't you, as a sports parent, just let them focus on only that sport? In other words, if you don't let them specialize, and they are allowed to waste precious hours, quote-unquote, playing and learning other sports, that's only going to cost your kid because there are thousands of other youngsters who are focusing on that just one, that one sport. For example, let's say your kid, by age six or seven, really seems to show a knack for soccer. And the uh, soccer people in your town are noticing. In fact, they've already approached you about having Sally play on their travel team. Of course, playing on this uh, travel team means that Sally is going to be devoting pretty much all of her time all year to just playing soccer. And if she doesn't, well, she runs the risk of falling behind all the other girls on her travel team. And that might cost her playing time when she does show up for a game or two. Plus, Sally happens to be a natural athlete. She also likes playing basketball and lacrosse and tennis. And she's good at those sports as well. So as a sports parent who wants to do the very best for your child, what do you decide to do? And you have to decide when your kid's pretty young. That is, and that's the question I want to focus on this morning. What do you do if your little six or seven-year-old son or daughter shows some talent in sports? Is it better to focus on only one sport? Or is it better to let them play a variety of sports as they grow up? 877-337-6666. You know, it's a very simple question that, unfortunately, sports parents have to confront when their kid is very young. What is the best approach? What is the best uh, pathway to have your kid become a star in their sporting career? What would you do with your kid? All right, let's talk about this. Let's start with a call this morning. Let's go to um, let's go to John in Port Jefferson. Hey, John. Good morning. You're first up on the fan. Morning, Rick. Nice to speak to you this morning. I have two uh, topics. The one you were just talking about, and one about the uh, the parents being a little bit out of hand. Uh, I know firsthand that I was one of those parents with my daughter. Mm-hmm. For that, I'd like to apologize to her. Uh, I did in the past, and now she's out. She's a grown woman out of college, and uh, I think taking back. Uh, Back in the days when I used to train her for soccer, and uh, as she got older, she loved it. She actually, as you said, 
you know, staying in one sport. She drifted off to basketball also, but she also loved the sport. She was a goalie, and she was one of the top goalies in my county, and uh, she was two years ahead of her time, and they took her up. But unfortunately, well, not to me, unfortunately, I used to play soccer too, but when she did come up, and me being so aggressive with the, you know, being at the games and yelling out and this and that, it kind of, I think after she went to go from middle school to high school, it took me in reality of, of the forcefulness that I was showing towards her in her soccer sport. Mm-hmm. Right? When she, she wanted to go to high school, she changed everything. She went from, she said she, she was going to be picked up, you know, as one of the top players in the county. And she turned around and said, you know, something that moving to high school, I don't want to play soccer anymore. Hmm. And it, it, it kind of hurt me because that was my sport and that was my thing. And I said, was I pushing her too much? And I did apologize to her because she wound up being, when she went to her basketball and volleyball in her school and did what she had to do, I sat back and I watched this girl grow into a super athlete. And she got a scholarship. She became a defensive player in both sports for her school, which made me feel and look back at the times like, I'm glad I gave her that opportunity to open up and have the two sports she wanted and not direct her in what I wanted. And I was one of those parents, and, and, and I did, you know, forcefully, you know, yell on the sidelines and this and that. But when she became, a, you know, an indoor sports person, and I realized that I could be more boisterous by just rooting them on all the time and not in a negative way. It actually impacted my life and my relationship with her. And the best feeling of all was when she was awarded her scholarship at a, you know, a, a, a uh, you know, presentation and, you know, with other sports, you know, uh, kids and things for their, you know, good jobs. Uh, the coach stood up and, and it was her last year. And he said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, my name, he says, we want to thank you very much for your, your sportsmanship. And we want you to come back next year, even though your daughter won't be here because you were an inspiration to the kids. And when that changed my life back then, now if I go to schooling events on my own and stuff, parents have to realize it's about the kids and not your aggression on those referees or the bad calls and things like that. You have to put it in perspective and say, let them have fun. John, you're very, very fortunate uh, that your your daughter came to you and said to you, you know, Dad, um, I I think I'm – I'm going to change sports here, uh, and she continued to to you know pursue her own dreams. And obviously, she was a great athlete and flourished. But it was, in addition, you're fortunate that you had the wherewithal to instead of being resistant or sort of saying to your daughter, "Well, I, I'm your dad, and uh, soccer is my sport, and I know what's best for you." You listened to her uh, and and paid attention to what she was telling you, and you said, "You know what? Maybe the time has come for me to reevaluate just what I'm doing in terms of trying to coach my kid from the stands or from the sidelines," and it worked out very well. But again, I got to tell you, I, I I unfortunately I think you're pretty much the exception to the rule. But I'm sure glad you called in this morning, John, to share that story with you because obviously if parents hear this, they may go back and do a little self-reflection uh, you know, and decide whether or not they're causing more harm than good when it comes to their kids uh, playing sports. John, thank, thank you so much for the call and, and appreciate it very, very much. Uh, we're talking about specialization. We're talking about the interaction with specialization and, and obviously the expect, expectation of sports parents for their kids. We all want the best for our kids. We know that. Uh, the question is, how do we act? How do we interact with our kids? How do we handle you know, the ups and downs and trying to figure out what their potential is? And most importantly, what is it that our kids want to do? 
because the kids are aware there are other sports out there they can play and pursue. The question is, do we? What do we do? Do we just show them as much as we can and let them decide what they want to do, or we figure out no, we we know better because we know sports and we're the adult and we know they got a real shot to go and develop in a big way. All right, eight seven seven three three seven. 6666. When I come back, I'll go right back to your calls. Stay with me. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Specialization pressures and aspirations in the world of youth sports and the decision that parents have to make fairly early in their kids' uh, athletic pursuits if he or she is going to specialize in one sport. Uh, Matt Futterman of the New York Times did a piece uh, a couple weeks ago about kids and tennis. Look, it's been known for years that sports agency firms like IMG have always been on the uh, the lookout for talented tennis players as young as 12 or 13. But now, according to this article, IMG is going even younger in its search. And I'm quoting here, uh, nobody wants to have a tournament for 11 and 12-year-olds, says Max Eisenbud who leads the IMG Tennis Division. I'd rather wait, but the competition forced us into this situation. And what he's talking about is that IMG has found that nearly all the most promising players, these are very young kids, have already signed contracts with other sports agencies. Many of these uh, operations are, are offering generous financial packages, uh, sometimes going well beyond covering the the, uh, the $50,000 annual cost of coaching and traveling on the junior tennis circuit. So what's happening is that IMG, uh, realizing they have some real competition now, they're trying to find kids who are even younger and see if they will have the chance to develop as tennis players. So again, even IMG, of course, acknowledges, everybody does, that looking at pre-teen teenagers and trying to determine who's going to be a top tennis player is really, really hard to do. So what happens if a kid signs and then doesn't develop or whatever? Well, I guess they just, you know, become has-beens at the age of 11 or 12. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And again, there are, there are literally thousands of, of moms and dads all over the country and the world who would love to have their young tennis player at age 9 or 10 uh, do a deal with any of these sports agents. Let's get to our calls, callers. Let's go back. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Ralph in Manhattan. Hey, Ralph. Good morning. You're on the fan. 
Ralph, are you there? Rick, oh, Rick oh, yes, over Ralph. the hill, over the hill at 12 years old, there's there's something to think about. But uh, as far as the, the grandfather thing, the visual that one gets is that, uh, you know, you got the guy going out there with the walker. It's not politically correct, but you get the guy going out there beating the heck out of the opposing player. Or the coach. It's just uh, a visual that one does not want to uh, have, you know? Well, it, it um, was, uh, the, the video is very clear, and, and uh, you see the, the grandfather coming out of the stands, and he's, um, I guess, you know, he's in pretty good shape. He comes down, and there's a 17-year-old kid walking off with Jeff, just refereed a, for, a U14 soccer match, and, and they have words, and the kid sort of, like, pushes this fellow away, and the father just take, or the grandfather takes a swing at this kid. Before you know it, uh, they're having to be separated. I mean, it's a... Well, see, it, Rick, no. it, it seems to never end, and every week you come out with a new story that's more unbelievable than the last week. But as far as that, well, you know, someone, I, I have to run this by you. On my radio show, a guy called me about three, four years ago, Spilling his guts about a, a similar situation seems as though he was a grandfather out with this, uh, you know, at the hockey game. It was on the uh, the ice. He's, he makes his way out on the ice. He wreaks havoc among the uh, the players and the coaches. And then he pours his guts out saying he's so, so sorry. And you want to take somebody like that uh, on their word. You want to say, well, maybe you won't do it again. Maybe you see the error of your ways. But frankly, I think they're covering their own rear end when they do that. I don't see the sincerity because once um, uh, they do that, they tend to do it again. It's something innate in the personality that they think that they have the right to do such things. Well, it, it reminds me, uh, and sometimes this happens where you'll have a, um, a coach uh, working uh, as a volunteer at, at the youth level, and uh, he'll gather the kids around him. The kids will be six or eight or ten or twelve, and he'll say to the kids, "You know, um, I, I just want to warn you that sometimes I will use bad language uh, during the course of a game because uh, I'm so eager to see you guys do well, and I get excited, and uh, sometimes bad words come out of my mouth. So I'm just apologizing in advance." If these things happen, uh, because there's nothing against you, it's just that this is how sometimes these things, I get so emotionally involved in the games. Well, <laughs> I always say to myself, why in the world, if, if you can't control your mouth, why in the world are you coaching kids? Because you can't just do a blanket in advance apology because you're already acknowledging that you're going to be out of control. So uh, this happens routinely, and yet I, it just doesn't make any sense. Ralph, I, I thank you for the call. It, it's uh, it's really at a point now where you have to, something has to be done. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Coach Z over in uh, in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Hey, Coach, how are you this morning? How you doing, Rick? Um, I just want to say one thing. The first caller that you had this morning, I think that was the best call I've ever heard. Yeah, it was um, pretty good, wasn't that, it? It was amazing. To, to me, like to me, what he said, um, I could put it. I would like to bring him, put him on tour, and travel with him, and go to every school, uh, every small youth organization in the country. Um, he was totally on as far as letting your kids develop at their own pace, letting them have fun, uh, letting them develop socially. Uh, you know, like, like I see kids, you know, when they're with different, uh, they're on different teams, they hang out with different friends, they, they do different things. Um, to specialize, it, it, 
I see kids, they, they walk off the field. They look like they're just not having any fun. And the parent is on top of them. Your first caller hit the nail on the head. And like I said, that, that guy, he should be on some type of speaking tour because uh, he said everything that I think about all the time when I see this stuff. And, and I give him credit for admitting that, hey, I took a step back. And look at the way his daughter developed, and his relationship with her right now is probably tremendous because she she saw that. And uh, you know, again, that was just a great call, Coach. Uh, I, I agree with you, and and yes, kudos to uh, John of uh, from Port Port Jefferson, because in so many ways, he he you know he is you say he he should be saluted because he had the he had the courage. To say, in effect, uh, when his daughter came to him and said, you know, I, I'm good at soccer, but I don't want to do this anymore. And one of the reasons why is because, obviously, she didn't like the fact that her dad was always criticizing and critiquing and trying to uh, get her to a higher level. And she just said, look, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to play other sports in high school. And thank goodness she, you know, didn't specialize only one sport. So she had the athletic ability to learn other sports, to play other sports in school. But he said, yeah, i got to change my ways. Otherwise, I'm going to jeopardize losing my relationship uh, with my daughter. And, um, you know, as I said, he, that takes some real courage to sort of say, I'm not going to be set in my ways, but I'm going to try to explore new options to see if I can uh, become a better sports parent. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I wish we had more stories like that because, honestly, that's what it's all about. And, again, it's all interwoven with this whole concept of, being a sports parent, wanting your kid to be a star in sports, we get all that. But at what point do you, as a father or mother, decide, i got to take a step back and decide also if specializing in just one sport is the right answer? And, again, there are lots of studies out there that have said that, no, um, you really shouldn't let your kids specialize in one sport because they can they can learn from one sport uh, activity, athletic ability, and it translates into another sport. But the fact is, the truth is, we also know there are sports out there like tennis, like uh, the gymnastics. Uh, it's always better to learn how to ice skate at a very young age than rather than wait till you're 15 or 16. But the fact is, how, how do you balance all this? How do you do this? I mean, you know, the kid's playing one sport all year and then is playing other sports for fun while they're also playing their primary sport. I mean, that's pretty time consuming. What happens to the kid in terms of their homework? I mean, how much, there are only so many hours in a day. Uh, 877-337-6666. Let's move on. Let's go to, um, let's go to a Rob in Lake Success. Rob Freed. Good morning, Rob. I know this is a topic that's pretty near and dear to you. I, you know, I'm so passionate about this. And before I get to my points, this is my favorite topic I think you, you have because I, I really believe in discussing this at, on an academic level because I, I love academics, and this is something I have a passion with. You know, Jack, the great Jack Smithland, told a story similar to your first call that he had a, um, a student, uh, a, a hitting a student in, in softball who had talent, yet the father was pushing and pushing and pushing, and the kid came to Jack and said, you know, as good as the, the kid was, showed a lack of interest in it and you know he said that he said listen he said listen i feel bad that you're in this situation he ultimately had an argument with the father the girl turned out going into another direction and became great or whatever she chose to do later on and the father ultimately was disappointed in jack but jack had to make that call and they became friends later on i just wanted to share that but 
because I, I don't know if Jack's going to get a chance to get on today, and, and he mentioned that he wanted me to throw it out there, and I, and I thought it was a great, uh, you know, part of this discussion. Mm-hmm. Here's my thought academically, okay, and, and I'm really passionate about this. Number one, I don't want to go down the genetics way, but I really believe genetics has a lot to do with sports, and we could go into the 10,000-hour rule. Uh, we've discussed that many times. When you participate for 10,000 hours, which usually takes about 10 years, you're going to master that particular uh, subject or, or sport or whatever it is in 10,000 hours. Will that make you a professional? No, not guaranteeing, but it will make you very, very good or, the, or at a very, very high level. Um, one thing about specialization, most of the best athletes in, in professional sports have specialized in multiple sports. Number one, because they develop the hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you don't have good eyesight, it's going to be very difficult for you to become a baseball player, okay, a top-level baseball player, because you just the speed of a, hitting a baseball and probably one of the hardest skills there is, you're not going to be able to do it. Even if you have corrected vision with, with, with glasses or, or contacts, it's still something It's going to be very, very challenging to get to that level. As far as thinking about sport, sports specialization, I'm going to use Tiger Woods. I'm not really sure of a factual if he's the first one in the United States. But going back on the Merv Griffin uh, show for over 40 years ago, so we're going back 40 years ago that he was on that show, he was groomed by Earl's dad in the crib with a golf club and basically was molded to go down that way. Now, did it work for him? Yeah. Maybe there was just something that Earl did and, and all the coaching he did, and maybe he was just that one in a billion athletes that was able to get there. But most athletes will burn out. If you start at a very young age, you, there's so many stories of burnout, okay, yeah, because I, they, they just burn out all, all, over the hours and hours and hours. Injuries will develop if you continually use one muscle group. You, when you, by having multiple sports, you get to use different muscles. You give your body a time to relax uh, from those different muscle groups that, you, that, that you've been using in the, in the one specialization sport we could go on for hours, Rick, but the bottom line is, yeah. you know, this is something the top athletes, to get to the top level, you must specialize, or not specialize, but be introduced, because young kids, maybe 12 and 13, might be at the top of their game. But well, let, me, five, let, me, let, me, uh, let me jump in here, and yeah, sure. I mean, the fact is that Tiger Woods... Uh, is obviously the the outlier. Uh, he's the anomaly because everybody knows the story of him being th- theoretically groomed at age four with a great golf, golf swing. But, you know, and, and that had a huge impact. And look how great a golfer Tiger Woods is. However, chances are if Tiger had played other sports, he was a natural athlete. People forget that his father played uh, college baseball and was a great athlete as well. If Tiger had been groomed to play other sports, he'd probably been a star in those other sports as well. The, the, the question, and again, go back to the 10,000-hour rule, a lot of parents focus on that, too. Uh, and, Rob, thank you, as always, for the call. The, 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 uh, the problem with the 10,000-hour rule, and, Rob, I'm glad you brought this out, is people, parents assume that if my kid really specializes and puts in 10,000 hours from the time they're 8 to the time they're 18, they will be good enough to play professional or, you know, collegiate sports. No, the 10,000-hour rule just says you will, ma- you will learn that sport, that activity, to probably the best of the kid's individual ability. And obviously, every kid has different levels of ability. Uh, the kid might put in 10,000 hours, and at the end, 
you know, well, he's a pretty good high school athlete, but he's not going beyond high school because he doesn't have, doesn't have that inherent physical talent. That's the key in this. 10,000 hours will get your kid to where his God-given potential takes him or her. It does not in any way guarantee them to become a college athlete at the D1 or D2 level or D3 or to go on to play pro ball. That's, that's the key that I think a lot of parents don't understand. And again, it all, it all dovetails into this conversation about specializing in my, having my kid play just one sport or, you know, progressing at a very early age. And again, we all know that there are, there are pressures on parents when they watch their kids compete against other seven or eight or nine-year-olds. But again, you have to understand your kid's so, still far, far away from being, uh, you know, an adolescent. And when a kid goes through puberty, everything changes all over again. It's as simple as that. All right, let me, let me take a time out. I want to continue our conversation about this because I think it's time to come to really confront and educate uh, sports parents out there about the pressures they face and trying to make a decision when it comes to their kids in terms of specializing in a sport or not. 877-337-6666. Quick local baseball note. Uh, George Kirby of the uh, Seattle Mariners pitched uh, last night against the New York Mets. George Kirby is a 6'4 right-handed pitcher out of Rye High School. Went to Elon College instead of uh, signing out of high school, and he uh, starred at Elon before blossoming into a first-round pick of the Mariners. Uh, yeah, this is the same George Kirby who was a three-year basketball player at Rye High School. He's also the captain of the team his senior year. You get my drift here. He didn't specialize. Now, I don't know this kid, but I actually saw Kirby pitch back in 2016 when he was a senior in high school. His team was playing uh, the local high school where I live, Byram Hills, and it was clear that George Kirby had a pretty strong arm and an active arm, had excellent mechanics and terrific control. Uh, as I recall, there were a few scouts there that day, and, and the kid was very much on their radar. Anyhow, uh, he had a good outing last night. Rye High School is, of course, where you might recall B.J. Surhoff uh, played ball in high school at Rye, and as did his brother Rich Surhoff, who also played pro baseball. And speaking of local baseball talent, I mean, Henry Davis, right up the road, was the first-round pick in the draft last year for the Pittsburgh Pirates out of Fox Lane High School in Bedford, New York. Aaron Sabato was a first-rounder for the Twins out of Rybrook, New York, and out of the University of North Carolina a couple of years ago. Okay, we're talking about specialization and the concerns uh, we have to deal here as parents and, and how it all sort of comes together. It's all very intermingled. Uh, parents have to decide what they want to do with their child and what, what they think is best for their interest. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Eastchester where Tim has been standing by for a while. Tim, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Good morning, Coach. As always, uh, thank you for taking the call. Yeah. And a big shout out to my man, Ed. Uh, it's always a pleasure hearing his voice as well. Uh, Coach, i like to talk of the two topics. First, Channel 4 this past Thursday, the reporter's name was Jen Maxfield, mm -hmm. and she did a report coming out of the New Jersey Youth Soccer Program, and it's called the Respect Campaign. And what they do is they lay the foundation for civility and, more importantly, socializing and having fun. And this program is not only for the kids, it's for the coaches and parents as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm a true believer in inculcating the seeds early. If you do that, you have a great chance to produce better individuals. 
And going back to that first caller, I could relate so much to him because I used to call it parental buffoonery. I was not only a member of that club, I was the president. Well, and uh, it's embarrassing Jim, me, to say that. Before you get into your own experiences, what are this? I'm not familiar with this program, New Jersey. What do they do that other programs uh, have not done that makes a difference in terms of getting parents to behave themselves? Because this has been a problem for well over 30 years. Absolutely. And, Coach, I tried to go more in depth. I went online to try to get more information, but everything was more or less superficial, and it was just a segment yep. produced by the news. So I do apologize for not having more information, but the mere fact that they talked about, again, civility and parental involvement and, you know, and well, all the miscues that we're having right now, they had brought up as well. Yeah, the problem is, we, you know, over the years, there's always been, everybody wants civility. The problem is, how do you get it done? So I, I applaud what they're doing with the, this New Jersey youth soccer, but I should like to know what it is they're doing that is different, that is working, uh, because, as I said, I can remember 20 years ago, there were communities, uh, particularly down in Florida, where they basically made it mandatory that moms and dads, if your kid wanted to play uh, in the soccer program, you had to first pass uh, a test, a long test, as to how, you, how to behave your kids' uh, youth soccer games. Uh, and that, if, you didn't, if the parents didn't take the test, their kid was not allowed to play in the, in the program. Now, I don't know what they do with this new program in New Jersey, but you know, that one was very effective 20 years ago. I don't, I don't think it's still being done anymore. But, well, you know, Coach, if I had the panacea for this question, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be on the circuit myself. <laughs> yeah, I hear so, you. I hear you. So, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to stop looking for the answer. Okay? No, I, uh, Tim, I, I hear you loud and clear. Let me stop you there. I'm going to take some more calls because my time is limited, but thank you for, for giving me the heads up about that program. Let's, uh, let's, go, to, uh, let's go to Harlem, and Daryl is uh, standing by. Daryl, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Rick, good morning. How are you today? Good, Daryl. What's up? Awesome, awesome. You know, I love going after Rob from Lake Success because he's always on the uh, other side of the room when it comes to opinions on these things. You know, I love the uh, 10,000, you know, hour yep. specialization um, rule. But, you know, that only works when you have good coaching and money to back it up. You know, when you take a look at um, kids that, you know, play sports in urban markets like, like Harlem, like Brooklyn, like the South Bronx, you know, they, they don't have the money. You know, so if they specialize and they focus on the sports, which is primarily going to be basketball, you know, they're really focusing on the wrong issue. And if they're going to put all their time and effort into that, what happens with the, the academic balance? And a lot of these kids, you know, they go into – their love for sport without understanding that it should be about, you know, developing team skills and competitiveness and the persistence and relationship building and all these other, you know, seemingly outside parts of being involved in sports. So I'm definitely not an advocate of, of kids specializing in a sport early on. I think there should be a good balance. Like the kids should play like seasonal sports, like maybe soccer or football in the fall, basketball or wrestling in the winter, and then either baseball or track in the summer. And just let one of the things that Rob did talk about was genes. Let that gene pool, you know, take over and let that be the dominant factor in their development as they get older. Because, you know, when you look at a lot of these kids that are making it, you know, a lot of them, you know, they don't specialize. They're good athletes in everything. Like, you know, they're, 
they were uh, like the guy that you just talked about uh, that pitched for the um, uh, Mariners last night. He was not only a good baseball player, but he was a good basketball player as well. Yeah. So well, I, I'm just definitely not an advocate against specializing at an early age. And well, Darryl, um, you have a wonderful show, and I'll let you go to yeah. the next caller. Well, Daryl, thank you so much uh, for, for your thoughts this morning. Yeah, you know, I... The thing about the 10,000-hour rule, and again, all these things, what makes it so complicated is because there's so many different factors. Now, Daryl mentioned about one of the aspects is um, if a kid wants to put in 10,000 hours, that invariably they need to get good coaching, which certainly is, is essential, and two, that they need to have some, some finances. Well, the coaching is important, no question about it, um, but if your kid is a basketball player, and loves playing hoops all the time. Uh, I, I'm a big believer that yes, good coaching is essential. But if the kid is getting some good coaching and also is beginning to play when they're 13, 14, 15, they're going to see what the if they're smart and they're serious about playing hoops, they're going to see what the other players that are older, what kind of things they're doing on the court in terms of either particular moves, aspects of the game, so on and so forth. They're going to learn and they're going to elevate their own game on their own just by being observant. As far as money is concerned, well, you know, that is a concern because obviously if a kid wants to play on a, on a travel team, club team, AAU, yeah, that's going to cost money. Uh, and I, I just, just, that's the way our society has evolved, and it's not something I'm particularly fond of, but unfortunately that's where we are these days in terms of trying to get a chance to play against better competition, uh, particularly basketball on the AAU circuit. That's just the way it is, for better or for worse. But it is something that, and again, as I keep coming back to, your child, your youngster, will eventually, if they play their sport, they will eventually reach a level uh, of their own natural ability. And that gets into the discussion that Daryl was talking about and Rob had mentioned as well about, about genetics. The fact is, you, your kid's going to go as far as their genetic talent takes them. Yes, they can work and they'll work their tail off to get to that, that full potential. But they may just basically tap out uh, at the high school level or even, even before then. Uh, but there are those kids we know who are bigger, stronger, faster, uh, that eventually go on to have the talent to play in college or maybe at the pro level. But again, we all know also that the pyramid gets very, very steep uh, once you get to the high school level. That's just the way it is in terms of the meritocracy of, of sports in this country. Let's, uh, let's, go to, uh, let's go to our friend Jack Smithlin over in Farallon. Hey, Jack, good morning. What do you make of all this? Well, you, you, you know how I think. And first of all, like your, one of your last callers said, you know, this Ed is amazing. And, and this story goes for Ed. I'm dedicating this to Ed because Ed always has me laughing. He's a, he's, he's a gem. Very good, very good person. Um, you, know, I, you know, I coached for many, many years. Both my sons were what I call triathletes, and that has two meanings. They would try anything, and they always played three sports all the way through <laughs> high school. Um, you know, but they did specialize, you know, but my definition of specialization is a little bit different than most of these coaches out there and even parents, you know, they were both baseball players, both went on to play at Penn state. Zach went all the way and played pro ball, got signed by the Cardinals and Padres and everybody else. But, you know, they, they 
played the sport once I saw that they were interested, what their sport was. And, you know, Alex was soccer and, and, and baseball, but, you know, he gave Penn State a shot in baseball and wound up leaving it. Um, but Zach went all the way. You know, I mean, Zach went all the way up at one point, you know, um, you know, with the Padres. He was playing with the double-A in, in spring training and, you know. But here's my definition. My definition is play three sports because 75% of all NFL players were multiple sport athletes. And then I looked up just recently, I can't remember the website uh, or the site that I got it on, but something like 83% of all Division One athletes were multiple sport athletes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when, when colleges look at athletes, they're looking at the, a true athlete, you know, somebody that can adjust to anything. You know, I had two players years ago, both baseball players. They started with me when they were about nine years old. And when they got to about 12 or 13, I said, what are you doing? You know, what are your other sports? Oh, we don't play other sports. I said, what do you mean you don't play other sports? I said, get out there. Start training in other things. Do winter track. All right? Get ready for baseball. Go run some winter track. Well, both of those kids wound up finding out that they were great track players and both got scholarships to run track. They both quit baseball. <laughs> you know? So you got to experiment. You know? You got to work all of those muscles. And I am, I am a true advocate that – Listen, both my kids specialized, but they played three sports all the way through high school. My definition well, of specialization is not playing all year. It's training during the year, you know, getting me, out and throwing a little bit. Let me add ball. this into the mix too, Jack. I, I think what happens and from the research I've seen over the years is that the top – the kids who go on to be the play at the, at the top echelons uh, at D1 or even at the pro level, uh, they were all natural athletes. Uh, they didn't think – uh, of, of wanting to specialize in just one sport because, quite frankly, they were, they were superior in every sport they played. But when they got to be 15, 16 years old, and that puts them like in their sophomore, junior, and high school, by that point, they said, you know what, I really love playing all these variety of sports, as, as your boys did. But these athletes say, you know what, I think to get to the next level, now the time has come, I'm really going to focus primarily on this one sport. So they didn't specialize early on growing up when they were in their, their, you know, in their 10 or, or 12 or 14. But when they got to the middle of high school, they said, you know, I think the time has come, I really want to do this. Now, like, like this kid like George Kirby, he obviously knew he was going to be a pretty good pitcher. But he kept playing basketball in high school because he loved playing basketball. So I, I think that's the sort of – there's one general takeaway from all this, Jack. I, I think that's, that's what parents need to know, that if your kid is blessed and has that kind of natural ability and wants to put the work in and has the desire and is competitive, then, then you know, their, their talent's going to take them a long way, and there's no real need to specialize. Yes, I agree if, if they have to learn – Skills like ice hockey, skating at a young age, or, or gymnastics, well, they, they learn that as well. But just be wary of specializing too early too soon because, as you just mentioned to your to your point, you know, kids, these kids who were playing ball and only playing baseball for you didn't realize they had pretty good speed and could have been stars in track, which got them who they wanted to go. Amazing stuff. Jack, thank you for the call. Let me go quickly to, uh, to Wilton, Connecticut. Jim, good morning. you got about uh, one minute, Jim. Oh, you bet. Good morning. I just wanted to say that I am one of those parents that unfortunately um, had my kids specialize at about age 12. She was a great athlete in three sports and just she showed a little bit more in soccer. So we dropped softball, then we dropped basketball, and then she burned out. And that's on us. And so I agree with all the callers that are in today, which is 
just let them do their thing and eventually let them make that call instead of you. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear, and that's exactly, if there's one lesson that parents need to hear, it's that cautionary tale. Hey, uh, Jim, thank you so much for, for chiming in this morning. I mean, that's, this again, this is complicated stuff. Uh, I, 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 I really think that parents need to really take this seriously and, and try to take a, again, take a step back, reflect on what you want to do, reflect on how you are dealing with all this when it comes to your kid in sports. And, and try to keep your own dreams in check as to what you want. Because, again, it's a couple of this all the time. It's not your life. It's not your childhood. It's your kids. And I know it's your flesh and blood, but you got to make sure that they are doing what they want to do and not necessarily trying to, you know, relive your dreams through them vicariously. As simple as that. Okay, that's going to do it. For me and this edition of the Sports Edge, my thanks, of course, to the ever-popular Ed Arzuman. He's the best. Please stick around for Mark Malusis. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t